But you talk about having dyslexia on stage. When I was diagnosed, when you're a kid, you just want to be like normal, right? You just want to like right. fit in. You just want to be normal. And so, like as of like the first grade, you're. I mean, reading is like kind of your first status thing. And yeah. it just, it just, I wasn't happening. Like I remember, like I went from there was like three reading levels in in first grade, and I was like, you know, in the third, like in the group C or whatever. And then I was like out of group C. I couldn't even keep up with them. So, yeah, the teacher kind of just like pushed me to the side or whatever. So, um, it was a while before they actually like diagnosed me with dyslexia, but I knew there was something wrong. I knew I had like a learning disability. And then uh, starting stand up, I started kind of like writing some jokes about it or whatever. And then I partially to understand it to write material i started like researching dyslexia more and more mm -hmm. and it yeah like it affects so many aspects of your life it's insane welcome to the underground comedy podcast with sean joyce for more information about our live shows check out undergroundcomedydc.com hey what's up thanks for checking us out this weekend, we got DC's Best Showcase at Big Hunt with Samantha Ruddy on Friday and Lafayette Wright on Saturday. We also have Sashir Zamata all weekend at DC Draft House. You can get tickets to those shows on the website. Our guest today is Phil Hanley. Phil's a great comic who's originally from Canada. He was one of the earliest headliners at Big Hunt. He's also a regular at the Comedy Cellar, has his own half-hour Comedy Central special, and is the co-host of a podcast called Keeping Joe with Sam Morell and Joe Mackey. Like some comics can keep talking and they'll just like laughter will just keep going on and they'll just keep talking and it'll just like build or, you know, not or whatever. Right. If I do not stop and wait for them to catch up. Yeah. It, just like my best jokes will just no one will. I don't know. It's yeah. It's, it's the weird. style of joke. It's the style of comedy that you have. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I think it requires it. Uh, maybe. Yeah. It's it's so funny, though, because um. Yeah, it's such uh um yeah, it's not a deliberate it's not a deliberate like the only part that's deliberate is I do know um if I don't stop then they won't laugh. And sometimes I'll for whatever reason I'll stop um you know somewhere where I normally wouldn't stop and then that'll get a pop and I'll be like that was a joke all along. Yeah, I yeah. Knew. It's right. weird. I think that your style is like it's very deliberate and it does um it does the the pacing of it is part of of the performance for sure um yeah i guess I, it's so weird i don't i don't know uh yeah it's just, it just has become like a natural part i of guess it. yeah it probably was natural a lot of it to begin with yeah it's weird because it, yeah you just don't know like I've, what your observation you made i'd never had thought of that or heard that what before. uh are you trying to change the style that you're doing at all no i mean uh, i'm i'm trying uh to um, my jokes are getting longer or my topics I'm trying to stay on yeah. the topic a little bit longer just because um, I think you come up with an idea and you're like oh and then if the audience is like interested in that topic it's crazy to be like oh okay well and then just go on to something I else. think definitely you, you should I mean everybody you got to get as much out of it as you can yeah yeah I think uh, especially now just because people are just like pumping out uh, yeah, material content, so you yeah. got to be very conscious of uh, when I started my jokes were so short yeah that you just i mean you you could spend a lifetime trying to fill an hour with like 10 second jokes yeah and it's different when you're when you're trying to get good and you're doing short sets mm -hmm. and you're trying to succeed in those sets yeah 
when you're doing five minutes, having a bunch of short jokes can be the best way to succeed. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. much different than when you're trying to develop an hour and then develop another hour. Yeah. That's a totally different thing. Yeah, totally. Comics comment on it all the time. It's like you go on the road and you do a joke that like works really well in like a 45 minute set. And then you'll come back to New York. You'll, you'll be like at the cellar and you'll be like, oh, it doesn't hit. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's hard, but it's good because you can take a story that like hits on the road in a long set and then you can you bring it back to the city and you're doing like, a you know, a 15 minute set at the cellar and it's not hitting as hard as it is on the road. It's a good challenge to be like, okay, what do I need to do? Maybe I need to like tweak these punchlines and stuff like that yeah. to get it strong enough. Right. And then if it if it hits hard in a shorter set, you're like, oh, okay, now this this bit is you know rock solid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then when you line up a bunch of those in a headlining set, you have really have a powerful set. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing like when I would start, I remember hearing like headliners be like, oh, I hate uh, doing short sets, or whatever. And I never really uh, got it. And then now I'm like, oh yeah. Cause it's like, you can take your time. You can like, you know, they really get to know you and yeah, then some the jokes work so much better when they know and trust you or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. When you've established yourself on stage and your personality and they understand what you're doing, mm-hmm. then you can really get away with a lot more. Yeah. And you, you, there's a lot less work for you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But when sure. you got to do all that work in 15 minutes yeah, and do the st- and do the story at the same time, then that's a, that is a real challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you start? Did you start in Canada? Yeah. In Vancouver. Yeah. And how long did you stand up in Vancouver? I for, it's like kind of blurry. Cause I started going to the States. Uh, I did a couple, I did like a, I think I did my first kind of late nights at while I was still in Canada. And then I did on Canadian TV. No. Oh no. I did. I did some Canadian TV stuff, but like I did uh, Craig Ferguson and then I did. Oh, you're still in Canada when you did Craig I, Ferguson. I think so. I, it's really kind of blurry, but yeah, I, but I would come what I would do. And, uh, I don't think this was the best way to do it, but what I would do is I would sublet a place in New York for like a month, come in and just kind of do spots in the city, try to get to know people in uh, New York. And then I would come back to make money in Canada and go on the road. Okay. Um, but I think in retrospect, what I should have done is just like move to New York and that be that. Right. Yeah. Not worried about the money. But Vancouver was a great scene. I, I don't, I'm so out of touch with Vancouver now. Like I'll go and just do the club and then uh, my family's there and my nephew and stuff like that. So I'll just go and hang out with them. But um, at the time, uh, which I, I assume it's still a really good scene, but at the time uh, it was like kind of a perfect place to start out. Maybe it was like D.C. because it was it was like small it was like smaller compared to like say toronto or compared to like some of like the big like american scenes and uh you really had to be original or it would just like stand out there was like i felt like there was like 20 comics you'd see every night or maybe right. it was a little bit more but like you couldn't you really had to um sound like yourself and uh there were you know people kind of policing the scene and stuff like that yeah i think that I- I mean, it does seem like going starting in a place that's huge, maybe like Toronto or New York, um, you can get kind of lost and you, kind of have a tough time navigating all of the different yeah. groups of people that are there. Yeah. Whereas in a in a like medium sized city, you know, there's really only a couple different groups and you're aware of everything that's going on and yeah. you can kind of you can kind of figure out where you need to be maybe a little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um and I and I got lucky because there was like 
there were some amazing comics in Vancouver at the time. And there was like, you could get up like, if, if you really pushed it, you could get up like five times a week. And then there were like weekly shows like Zach Galifianakis spent a lot of time there. He was filming like a show okay. and he was just like, the f- I'd never seen anyone so funny. And then uh, there's a Canadian comic named Brent Butt who um, is one of the best comedians I've ever seen in my life. And he, he's stayed in Canada and he's like really big in, in Canada, but just to like watch him. How how long have you been doing stand up before you got on TV in Canada? Uh I got on TV there was like um I did a a special in Canada like way too soon. Like I think like I'd been doing stand up for 4 years or something like that. Okay. Um but there's like a yeah, it was way too soon. In fact, in the special, I say I've been doing it four years just just to be like just to like oh, time yeah, to let it. everybody know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but it, it, and it was. I mean, I, I was like excited to do it, and it was like a good experience and stuff like that. But um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people did them pretty pretty early. But you don't think that that didn't have any negative impact on you? No, though? no, not at all. Right. Not at all. But I'm always almost to a fault. I'm always like, uh, I should wait. Sure, sure. You know, like I, I. Uh, and I'm like, you know, too much of a um, like perfectionist about certain say, things. Yeah. Like I wasn't gonna recorded a CD and then just sat on it for so long. And then uh, Sam Rao was like, listen to it, and he's like, dude, you're cra- you gotta put it out or whatever. But he was really the the reason that I put it out. Yeah, and and, and it's been good. It was it was. Uh, I'm really glad that I did. But uh, I'm just like, ah, uh, cause I I you know I want to like. You just you can just work on a joke forever. Yeah, d- for sure. And it's a mistake. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you got to find the happy. It's a balance. balance. Yeah, it's exactly. It's definitely a balance. Yeah, and you definitely. I mean, you strike me as a perfectionist. Um, I, 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 I try, but then it's like sometimes I'll look back. I'm still figuring it out. Like, I'll look back and be like, "Dude, I've been doing that joke for six months. Like, I've been working on that yeah, joke yeah. for." And I know it takes time, but it's still. It's like. Uh, yeah, I got to figure it out. You still, I mean, I think it's the process. You're constantly, um, trying to like tweak even your, like the, the way you work or whatever. Yeah. The, the time that I became aware of you was, um, when I saw modern comedian, when I saw your episode of that, um, docu-series. Oh, cool. And, uh, how were you in New York at that point? Yeah, I was in New York and, uh, Scott Moran did that. He's such a talent. He, such a talented dude. And he asked me to do it, and um, I was like, obviously, I was like, you know, honored to do it and stuff. But uh, it's funny because so many people have seen that, yeah. and I didn't even realize. Um, I don't know how many hits it has on like YouTube or whatever, but it comes up a lot. Like when yeah, I'm on the road, it also got picked up as a PBS series. So then it got extra, oh, okay, uh, distribution after the fact. I, he put it out, but then it came out like kind of a second time. Oh, cool. Yeah, I. I uh, yeah, it's really cool that he did that because um, a lot of people uh, have seen have seen that. Like a lot of like, I'll go to a town and like a lot of like, you know, comics starting out or whatever. Be like, oh, I saw that thing. Yeah, it's kind of like there's certain people that what I if I see their tape, I just kind of immediately I'm like, oh, this is a person I want to book. Oh, cool. And it's 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 uncommon, I would say, because I see lots of tapes. But there are certain people that just it just really is close to my comic sensibility. Okay. And so, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is a person that I that I think I want to book. Oh, cool. And especially the crowd work aspect of it because Big Hunt is kind of 
it can be a tricky room you know it's mm-hmm. like it's a fun room but it's tricky but if you can do crowd work you can make it you can make it happen um, in that room how do you think it's tricky like what do you think i think that um if if you get off to a bad start there and people are kind of not they're, they're kind of unsure of what you're doing because generally that's kind of a people don't know the comic they're not there to see the comic yeah. most of the time uh-huh. and so they're kind of just trusting that it's a comedy show so if the comic starts off kind of in a tough way like even last night you know that you you that guy yelled out yeah uh and uh he you got heckled and then you got kind of frustrated and for some people if they had done that yeah it was kind of a there was a weird energy to start your set yeah it was, kind, it was not the way you want to start no. your set at all yeah and it was it was from the first 10 seconds of your set yeah well that i mean that was and he i just have done stand-up long enough to know uh that that guy would have been a pain in the ass the whole show and uh just basically i was wearing a a mildly striped sweater yeah he yelled out blues clues yeah you look look like the guy from blues clues but like within 10 seconds and um yeah i just knew uh I had to shut him down. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I would have kicked him out if he kept saying stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like one of those things. And and you police you police the room very well. And in the back of my head, I, I kind of knew that. But I just know you don't want to take the chance. You got to. No. You're. You, it's your. You know. It's it, your show. So it's it's my show, and uh, I um, love I love uh, playing the big hunt. So I was like, I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. and and just that kind of style of like sometimes people heckle because you introduce a topic that they're really excited about and that, that it's still that can still be disruptive but it's such um a uh, more innocent place right. than a guy being like i see stripes blues clues like yeah. you just he was drunk he was very drunk i saw him upstairs afterwards up close uh-huh very drunk but um yeah i don't have time for that like right a drunk but also not a cool guy like just like right. a jerk like that was like a jerk move so less experienced comics or even comics that are kind of more limited in their performance and in terms of they're really they're really just doing material they're uh-huh. just going to go from one joke to the next joke when things like that happen it can derail their set and the yeah. crowd can lose confidence in them yeah. because they don't know them ahead of time and so if the crowd loses confidence the comic can lose confidence in themselves yeah and i i mean i've seen comics have meltdowns in headlining sets in that room because it's it's not going the way they want it to and they don't really have a way to get out of it and yeah. you know it's it's painful to watch and I've um so I I'm I feel a lot more confident when somebody has crowd work ability because it's going they're going to be able to do that if they have to oh yeah and I I mean that like for me that's nothing like I knew that guy I knew you'd kick him out but I wouldn't want him to like if he ruins two jokes it's yeah. lame and it's, it's so it's funny because you hurt him man you you hurt you hurt him he was embarrassed after after he said it and he stood there for a while and then he just got his girl and they just turned around and, and walked out after it because his girlfriend was really obnoxious yeah too. they were both drunk they yeah. were very well, drunk the well they you, and but it, the thing is is um it's such a bully move yeah to be like 
oh, this guy's the center of attention. I don't think so. Like, right. W- he was just trying to embarrass me. Right. In front of 90 people. Yeah. It's su- it's such a terrible, and it's fine that uh, if he's drunk or whatever, but I just, I would never have that. It's just such, I, I, I can't relate to that. And it's such uh, a jerk move and like a mean spirited move. Yeah, definitely. The, and, and and the thing is, and you're right. If, if, if it was, what if it was a guy, it's his first time he's headlining the big hunt or a girl. It's the first time they headline the big hunt. And that guy does that and gets the better of the comic. Then the room loses respect for the comic. Right. It, it would be like a real bummer. Right. So I was like, yeah, no, I, I but I've had... Uh, I was confident that it, the audience would be on my like I've been in that situation so many times that I was I knew the audience would be like oh yeah that right as a dick yeah and it was funny because I was like I was interested to see how it was gonna go because you know you are like you you are mildly self deprecating uh-huh. you're confident but also you know self deprecating in your material yeah and so I was like I was kind of interested to see because you really were very assertive and I, and I've, I have trouble going back and forth from my material to crowd work. Okay. I can do one or the other. Well, okay. Because I'm pretty aggressive crowd work wise, but material wise, I'm not aggressive. Oh, I see. I have self-deprecating material. So if I, if I kind of do some kind of like swagger crowd work Uh style, it's hard for me to go into my jokes and then, you know, kind of be self-deprecating because people are like, oh, I thought you were cocky. Yeah. Um, and so I was interested to see and it was really pretty seamless. Like it, it really came together pretty quickly oh. and it had no problem. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Because I mean, the, but the situations that like over the years, like and I've told this story on podcasts before, but I, I once got like rushed by this like a large intimidating woman. Uh, in, <laughs> in St. Louis, like she must have been 250 pounds, and she was wanted to brawl. Like she was like shaking. What did you say something to her? What happened was I. It was the same situation, and and I if and also it's like if you it's one thing. 15 minutes in, you say something, and someone wants to participate, or someone's drunk and just kind of loses control. Uh-huh. Like you're like Canada, and they're like. I lost my wallet in Canada. Yeah, Whatever yeah, yeah. that sparks something, that's understandable. And it's Friday night, and I understand uh-huh. that people are, are you know, having fun or whatever. But the guy to go boost clues, like it was just like he was going to be a dick the whole time. Right. And what happened was I was in St. Louis, and the same thing, I forget what happened was um, this dude again, like Mike is barely out of the mic stand, and a guy yelled something at me. And I knew what I had to do. I had to shut him down immediately. So right. I shut him down. And uh, I forget exactly what I said, but it wasn't like over the top mean spirited, but it was like, you know, in a situation where like if you yell stuff out, then it's it's not going to be pretty. Right. And uh, so I said something to the guy. He said something and I said, you know, like something about like how what you know, what he thinks isn't isn't important for the next hour or something like that. It was it was like gentle, but it was like, you know, whatever. And uh, then I take the mic. Next thing I know, there's like this like shadow on the stage and I turn and this woman is like seething and she's got a clenched fist and she's like shaking and she's like, what he says is important. She's like freaking out. And I, I mean, growing up, I've seen like, you know, when someone's in their head, like debating, do I punch this sure. person? And that was exactly what was going through her head. And uh, I had to, so it's me and this large woman on stage. And uh, I'm like can see her in my peripheral but i can't turn and face her because there's still whatever 250 yeah. people it's like a big room 
So I'm like facing the crowd and I'm like, you know, going back and forth with her. And uh, finally, the door, the like the door person is at like kind of the foot of the stage. And I'm like, dude, do something, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So he he goes and he finally like gets her off the stage and she's like shaking like, you know, she didn't end up hitting me, which I mean, I just moved to the States in my head. I'm thinking like, I don't have free health care. Like what, I'm not yeah. going to like <laughs> yeah. run from I'm not going to run from her. I'm not going to like you can't fight her. No. Yeah. I'm not going to go in like a defensive stance. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm just like, yeah. What are you? But what do you do? What if she charged you there? What can I you do? Try, I tried to be funny. And yeah. uh, and then the guy finally came up, but she was on stage. I mean, it felt like a long time. Maybe I, I can't even guess, but it would have to be at least two minutes or something like that. Like she was on stage for a while. The guy, the door guy takes her and puts her into her, uh, puts her back into her seat, which is like four feet from the stage. And I, I like, before I started, I was just like, dude, yeah. You, when someone rushes the stage, yeah. like I had to explain the door guy right. that she should probably be removed. And so they kicked her out, but it took so long. And then, uh, yeah, then I really had to address the audience and explain what I, it ended up being like a, a great show. But I had to have an honest moment where I was like, you guys have no idea what it's like to think you're about to just be beat up by yeah. this giant woman in front of 200 people at work. Like I just had to break it down so many and I kept just pointing and I just and then they finally kind of got it. And then I was able to proceed. Yeah, that is crazy. That is a crazy story. It was, but it was the same last night. Like if they. I, I wasn't afraid that I was going to lose them because it, to me, the guy seems so obnoxious. But if I did, yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to be honest about why you had to shut the guy down and explain. Yeah, because I think everybody knew. Everybody else knew that guy was being a dick. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was. Yeah. It, it in shows it's too important to to let that kind of fly. Yeah, for sure. Know? So was it tough when you first got to New York? Yeah, it was brutal, man. I couldn't even get on. uh I remember when I first got to New York and I, I, there was a guy that was a Vancouver comic that had lived in New York for a bit. And he like, he's like, oh, I'll put it, you know, he's like nice enough to like, you know, wreck me for like a show. And I remember going to the show and it was like on like a Sunday night. It was like maybe six people in the crowd. Like it was a, a brutal show. Mm -hmm. And I watched the whole show and then meet the guy, the booker and uh, introduce myself. And I'm like, yeah, you know, so-and-so put a word in. He's like, oh yeah, I got that email. And I'm like, you know, I'd love to do the show sometime. And he's like, yeah, sure. Send me a tape. And I'm like, send you a tape to do a Sunday night open mic for six people. So I realized I'm like, oh, everyone's like holding on to what little power they have. And just to get on even shows that are, it's just like a token show. Like it's not yeah. even like you're going to get a ton of work done. Right. Um, it's going to be tough. So yeah, it was, it, it, uh, yeah, it took it took a long How time. How long did it take before you kind of started getting up regularly on decent shows? Uh Oh man, it took like it took a it took a while. Again, it's and that's kind of, with and you had already been on yeah, Ferguson at that yeah, point. Yeah, I done I done Ferguson and then I did uh I did it a second time and still at that point, by the time I did it a second time, I had like gotten a place in New York and was living there and I was still struggling. Like I used to do this, there was a show above the Broadway comedy um, club called the world cafe. And it was like a tough people would, they would sit on the stage and they would have barkers and then they would book one kind of like right. pro or whatever to go on at the end. And uh, it was free. Most, I mean, most club spots or all club spots in the city pay, but this was free and it was not, 
you know, a fun hang and I would do like three shows Friday, three shows Saturday there for free. And then just like, it's in this weird part in New York, it's in hell's kitchen. So there's nowhere to hang. I would just like, there was like a deli that had like three seats Yeah, and I would just like sit there in between shows. So it was, it was brutal. And then, um, I, I got, uh, someone recommended me for the seller and I got, uh, passed at the cellar and then like kind of overnight it changed. Cause so that kind of yeah, transformed everything for you. Yeah. I mean, in the sense where I was like, now I was like doing spots and getting paid. And I was like, you know, it's like a great hang All my friends. had been, or at that point, most of my friends had already been, uh, passed there. So it, yeah, it was just great. You know, you just get to watch great shows and right. get to watch it tell whenever yeah, you want. Definitely. Like it's just, it's just cool. Yeah. And you get, there's like just so much uh, credibility attached to you once you get past there. Yeah, I think that I think it I think it helps and um yeah, it would so that was like a real like turning point for me uh in the city, yeah. But I I'd be, I'd been there for I mean probably a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, like so, well someone um someone said they would vouch for me and then I waited a long time. I waited like a year before I actually took them up on it cuz I just wanted to just Oh, get, really? Yeah, cuz I, I I really wanted to make I wanted to audition I wanted to get past, but I also wanted to make like a good impression. Yeah, right. Yeah, you wanted to exactly. And, that, that's smart. And New York is different. Like it's like um, the pacing and stuff like that is diff- especially at the cellar. Like it's it's different than a regular show. Like it's not like you like take the mic out and kind of dick oh, around. Right, yeah, <laughs> like right, what's right. going on, man? Like it's uh, it, people like great comics are doing their best jokes. Yeah. So you, and that's what you're going on before, and that's what you're going on after. And when did you start headlining? Uh, I started headlining like, again, like very soon in Canada. I was just touring with Canada, uh, touring in Canada, and I was opening for, like, I was kind of just like touring across the country, and and I was in. I remember I was in Moncton, and someone I was co co headlining, and then the person that I was co headlining co headlining with was sick or for some reason didn't show up and so i like headlined that weekend and then it just with the the club i was working with at the time like the kind of chain or whatever they just kind of started headlining me after that so i I just kind of got lucky and were you how often did you do that i would go i would be i would be in uh in vancouver and there wasn't a ton of road work but there were like you know, certain clubs like within driving like six hours away. So I would drive and do those or I would drive and do like, you know, kind of like one nighters and stuff, maybe like a few a month. And then uh, I would go to Ontario where there was at the time there were tons of clubs and like tons of clubs that were doing like, um, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows, whatever, like five or six shows a weekend. And I would go for like two months at a time and I'd, I'd crash with my buddy. Yeah. And during the week I would do spots in Toronto and then on the weekend, I would just like drive out to like suburbs of Toronto that had clubs. And are and are you headlining a lot in the U.S.? Uh, no, I w- that was before I had started work. Like that was just like putting together like uh, work visas and stuff like that. Yeah, right. What about now? Are you starting to? Yeah, now get I'm those touring. Work? Now I'm touring a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. So once once I got to the states, then I started doing like uh you know, colleges and, and I got an agent and, and started like, you know, doing clubs in the weekend. Right. Yeah. Right. So you talk about having dyslexia on stage. Yeah. And, uh, do you think that that had a big impact on you? Oh, absolutely. It seems yeah. like it maybe it has the biggest impact of, of anything in your life. Maybe. Yeah. 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 It, it has a huge, um, 
And I didn't even know, because when I was diagnosed, when you're a kid, you just want to be like normal, right? You just want to like right. fit in. You just want to be normal. And so like as of like the first grade, you're, I mean, reading is like kind of your first status thing. And yeah. it just, it just, I wasn't happening. Like I remember like I went from, there was like three reading levels in, in first grade. And I was like, you know, in the third, like in the group C or whatever. And then I was like out of group C. I couldn't even keep up with them. So yeah, the teacher kind of just like pushed me to the side or whatever. So, um, it, yeah, it, 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 so I didn't, I was just frustrated and I didn't want it. It was a while before they actually like diagnosed me with dyslexia, but I knew there was something wrong. I knew I had like a learning disability and I was just like, I don't want to know about it. I don't care. So my mom kind of became this like expert on learning right. uh, disabilities and she, she actually taught, um, she was a teacher for kids with disabilities, but more like physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. So she became, my mom became an expert and I had, she was like, I don't care. Da, 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 da. And then, uh, starting up, I started kind of like writing some jokes about it or whatever. And then I, partially to understand it, to write material, I started like researching dyslexia more and more. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, like it affects like so many aspects of your life. It's insane. Like I have really bad, uh, or I struggle with like organization and stuff like that. Yeah. So, which is tough, like for like getting to airports and all that stuff. So I just, I didn't realize, like I have like kind of like before, if I fly out and I fly out, you know, many Thursday mornings to go to clubs, you know, like three weekends a month or yeah, whatever yeah. to do some type of work. The night before I fly, like I'm like, I always have trouble sleeping and stuff. And I, and then, and then I'm like doing research. I'm like, oh yeah, because just to like get up, get packed, have all your stuff, get to the airport 90 minutes before. It's like a whole, it's yeah. like for me, it's like a military operation. Like I gotta be like, okay, I gotta have everything ready the night before and stuff like that. And, and I just thought it was like that for everybody. And then I'll like see like a girlfriend or someone just be like, no, 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 get up yeah, and like right. roll out. Um, so yeah, it really affects, uh, kind of every aspect of your life in a positive way. And then in a negative way, there's certain things that, um, just that I would, that would say come easy to me that I would just be like, Oh, everyone can do that. And then, you know, someone will point yeah, out. How do like, you think no. it affected you in a positive way? Uh, well, I mean, from, um, like dyslexics are better at like big picture stuff. Okay. Uh, whereas like a, a non-dyslexic person is like better at like detailed oriented stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's like actually, scientific proof in the way the you know they can like do scans and see how like you know neurons are firing and all that stuff in a dyslexic brain compared to a non-dyslexic brain right so i feel like um overall picture stuff it, it it helps me and um yeah i'm like slowly kind of learning more and more like oh wow okay well that that's you know that's a scale that i have and that's you know because of dyslexia or whatever how how was it by the end of like high school were you like were you like learning how to deal with it in order to like get by in your classes or were you still struggling by the end of high school oh it was brutal yeah like the whole whole way through i mean i finally did my last grade at high school just out of like um sheer like you know fuck everybody i yeah. worked really hard and, and 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 was able to get through but like um, yeah, I like figured out a way. It kind of took me all through school to figure out a way. And I went through a lot of different stages. Like for one, I was like good in math, but because I was in, uh, special ed for different subjects, they made me take like the lowest level math and stuff like yeah. that. Like they really just did some things where I was like, 
it was just almost like borderline like mean spirited. I mean, it's probably easier. It was easier for them just to be like, okay, he's in basic subjects. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But when I look back, I'm like, who does that to a kid? Like, who who would be like, oh, you're good at math? Then like, then that should have been. I really should have been encouraged. It's just not paying attention. It's really just not paying attention and just like kind of making blanket uh, decisions. Totally. And and then when I finally, so I did well in my last year of high school, and the the reason was was I just like fluke got lucky and the school board had a program where they were taking a teacher and I basically had like a private teacher. So I'd have a regular class, uh, with just like a regular, and then I would go to my special ed teacher after every class. So every other class was like, and we would just go over everything and we would write like, say like the final exams and stuff. I had unlimited amount of time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So dude, it was like, eight hours i would write a geography exam like it was it was so insane yeah i was in uh college with a with a kid that had uh i think he he had like add but he was he had unlimited time on his tests also and uh yeah it was just i mean because otherwise it was just i would just not be able to get anything done it does it takes me a long time you know do you think that that left you with like a sense of determination to like prove yourself uh i mean yeah i yeah i think i I think it did and i think it i mean I probably wouldn't do com. I probably wouldn't do comedy if I wasn't dyslexic, or I probably. Um, I think it really. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think back because you're just like I have. N- I would have nothing to say all day in class, and then so when I had yeah. an opportunity, I'd be like, okay, yeah, this really. Did you make jokes in class? Yeah, I would. I would try to yeah. be funny. I had a really. I had a hard time in school. Also, I didn't have any learning disabilities though to uh, blame it on like oh really uh, yeah yeah i just uh i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do the work i just couldn't bring myself to do anything so it was like it was very uh and i would always want to get tested when i was like in like junior high and stuff i'll be like test me for add i've, I've got something yeah and they're like you don't have, there's there's nothing wrong with you man you just you just got to do it and i'm well, like i can't i don't well there must have been something yeah well i think it was like i had like you know, just family issues and like just uh, emotional stuff that, uh-huh. you know, and I just found it school to be so boring and I could just, I'm like, I don't want to do this work. Like there's, I'm not interested in it. Yeah. Certain classes I was interested in, I would do well in them. Yeah. And then the rest of the stuff, I just, it was such a, str- a struggle. Like everything was difficult. And I, from like very early on, second grade, I remember like, my dad like getting a phone call and then finding out like i like i thought i was doing fine in school and he's like no you're not doing well you're supposed to be doing well but you're not doing well so i kind of had that like kind of hovering over me for my entire school and it's like and i i think like that kind of thing it really sticks with you because it's it's so long it's your whole growing up it's the entire time of until you become an adult you're in school and it hangs over you like i would I was like in grade one doing the math, like counting how many years until I, like it was like, and it's still not to sound like too dramatic, but like I still watch like if you're watching like one of those like doc, like those like lockup shows or whatever. And the guys I like got like five years, like the, I, I remember thinking like that, like, oh, yeah, I got. And I remember like waking up on like, like I remember Sunday nights hearing the tick 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 of the 60 minutes my parents would always yeah, watch yeah. 60 minutes <laughs> yeah. and i would just hear that like tick 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 of the stopwatch on the show and just be like oh, oh god and like my mom like would like 
I remember like the back to school sales and stuff like that in the summer. I would just be like, oh, I got to do this again. It's a ter- yeah, it's like really a terrible way to grow up because like, you know, like you're like having like this anxiety and, and feeling bad about what you have to do. Yeah. And it's like, is that the most effective way to uh, get an education and grow up? Like, no. I don't think it is. I don't think having all that emotional trouble, like, you know, you're just trying to learn it the skills that you need to succeed in life you don't have to have all these like have such a bad experience i i think school is like i don't have like a better solution to it but it uh it definitely didn't serve me particularly well and i mean it sounds like it really didn't serve you well no and i mean it's so easy to like i mean i think the solution is that i mean there are but i mean school is designed and it's and it's really conducive with most kids right and most kids learn how to read and learn all this stuff yeah. and then in but there are kids where that they, they they don't learn and i mean those kids like in retrospect i should have been like i really liked art i wasn't allowed to take like music or anything like that because they were like well, <laughs> oh, he, he can't nice. read so yeah the, the can't. wow and it's canada so we had music programs and stuff yeah. um I, I and I assume this. I don't know. I was here in the states. They're like, oh, they're cutting music programs and stuff. But I, I don't. I I think we still have that at, at home. But we certainly did at the time. We had like yeah. a big music department. So, we're. I'm like, that is bonkers. Like, I understand that teachers are like overwhelmed and all this stuff. But they would have. They should have been like, uh, let's just for like. They should know enough about humans to be like for self esteem things. Right. Let's find something that every right. kid is good at. It I could think, be I anything. do think they're starting to understand that. I don't know if they're actually following through with it, yeah. but I think they're starting to realize it in a way that they did in the past. Were you, were you like really interested in stuff back then? Uh, yeah, like it, my my parents tell stories where I was like, yeah, like I was fascinated in anything. Like I was so interested in in all those things, particularly like music and art and all that stuff. Um, but it's weird. Like now I look back and I like even like have like my like say like someone that like my sister grew up with who was like a really funny guy and really smart and stuff like that. But like, you know, dropped out of school and stuff. I'm like mm-hmm. com- completely now look back and be like, it's so clearly that he had like a learning disability or right. um, like kids that like misbehaved or whatever. Like when I think back, I'm like, Oh y- yeah. It's because he was just frustrated. Like it's so easy that to diagnose this stuff now. I'm like, how did it? Yeah. And I'm not an educator. What the hell right. do I know? I know. But I know. It's, fr- it's very frustrating. You look back and you're like, yeah, I guess they just, I don't know, but it's, it's, there's a reason why, like, you know, that, that kids do shitty in school or that don't kind of just like toe the line that everyone does. And, um, yeah, they're pretty quick to just be like, ah, oh, he's, you know, he's a jerk or whatever. Yeah. Did you have ideas about what you wanted to do before stand up? Uh, not really, but I, I do know, uh, just, and it, and I've thought this before, but I kind of forgot about it. But when you were talking about like, yeah, school sucks so bad that I did know that I wanted to do, I did know I wanted to have a job that I liked. Like, yeah, uh, my dad didn't particularly enjoy his uh, job and I hated school. So I think combining those two things, I was like, oh yeah, I can't do something that I like. Yeah. You don't want to be trapped in that. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of people, they do have that feeling when 60 minutes comes on now. Yeah, going to their their office job that that dread of it's Sunday night. And yeah, they, they have to go to that job. Yeah, I think about that constantly, and I it's come up like multiple times, like doing these interviews. Um, just the idea of trying to decide like what to do with your life because 
being a stand-up is such a hard path to take, right? It's it's very difficult. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it is. But you, you like, I just appreciate. Um, I mean, sometimes you'll do like you know a certain gig where you're like, I'm kind of dreading this, but I mean, you you really get to do what you know. You get to write jokes, which I love to yeah. do, and then you get to travel, which is fun. I mean, it can be tiring or whatever, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it it it, it yeah. It's not uh easy but i i can't imagine doing something that i that i didn't really enjoy but th- then i guess that's a a personal thing like i i have friends that do jobs that i'm sure they don't adore but then they have other you know they have other things like yeah families and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah hobbies and yeah yeah i mean because it makes it hard to do that stuff because you got to travel all the time yeah so you i mean it's definitely a big sacrifice to do it but also you get a you get a big reward from it yeah oh totally like um yeah, and just like working out like a joke and then getting it to hit, like it, it is, it, it's you know really rewarding. All right, so do you read now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I go through, I go through stages when I'm more on it than mm-hmm. other times or whatever. Uh, but it's if I take some time off from reading and I when I start back, I'm so and I don't know if this is normal for people or whatever, but I'm like so rusty and so it takes me so long. And then if I keep going. I'll get into a groove. Did it? Was it just from repetition, from doing it over and over again, that you learned how to do it? Yeah, like I have. Um, and, and dyslexia is like, you know, different for different people. But for me, I have trouble identifying a symbol with a sound. So, uh, whereas a non-dyslexic will see like a street name, like um, Hanson Street, and be able to read it right away. Yeah, I if I don't know the word, like say if it's like a, if it's like Greenwood Street, I'd be yeah. like, okay, green, and then yeah. what? I'd be able to read it. But if it's a word I've never seen or people's last names, yeah, that you don't can't it, sound it out. No, yeah, don't I can't. I have no ability to do that. So my reading has improved over the years, but that's because I've just memorized more words. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So do you have? Uh, so you you've started to get into um, some acting. Uh, the top of stand up. Yeah, yeah, I've done I've done some stuff. Yeah. How how do you like that? Uh I like it. Like I did uh I did a movie um called Sundowners and we shot it in Columbia and I was like uh it's myself and another actor were like the two leads mm-hmm. and uh it was so much work because uh I had to like memorize oh wow the whole yeah script. Yeah, and it was funny cuz the um the director and the writer are super uh talented dude uh pavamundi he uh he was like before we did it he was like yeah like just know the scene there's gonna be a lot of improv and you know what i mean but once we got the columbia it was like verb- he wanted a lot of the stuff verbatim right. yeah and then he'd we'd do a take that was like improvised or whatever so it was like it was what it was the fun it was one of the, my favorite experiences that i've had certainly like you know like showbiz related or whatever right. but uh it was insane how, you know, we're shooting this independent film in South America on like a tight deadline. Like it wasn't like, ah, oh, we'll just get more money and stay an extra week. Yeah. Like it was like we were doing so many pages a day and stuff. And, and a lot of the stuff was like these huge monologues that I had to memorize. And, uh, and was it, it was dramatic? It was, it's like a dark comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on like people can check it out. It's on, um, Amazon and then it's on, it's in, it just, it just got put up on, some new platform in Canada called like Gem, but it's yeah, it's and I think it's on iTunes and stuff. But it's called Sundowners, and uh, yeah, it's like a dark comedy. How did you get involved in that? Uh, and Tim Heidecker's in it. Okay, it's so funny. Oh my goodness, so funny. But uh, he, uh, it was 
he actually saw like a late night set and contacted me on my like website like two years before we actually did it. it was like hey i'm writing this script uh you'd be you know good for the main thing that's whatever. pretty cool man yeah and then it but then it kept getting like pushed back he did another film in between yeah it kept getting pushed back and then uh Wow, I guess it was like almost three years ago now. He just, I just got an email that said like, hey, it was like in December. It's like, hey, it looks like we're going to be flying to Columbia uh, in February. So I just had like December and January to like learn the, learn the script. Do you think you want ultimately want to be like a mainly stand-up guy? Yeah, I mean, stand-up is like my, my favorite thing to do, but uh, I, um, I can certainly appreciate doing something else. Like I, 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 um, yeah, I would. I mean, I would love to do, you know, do everything. It's stand up's great to have to always come back right. to, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I would love to. Act, I would love to do another uh, acting thing. I had so much fun. It was great to work with, um, work with people, opposed to just being kind of by yourself. Yeah, right. It was really fun. Be, yeah, be a part of a team. Yeah. And how has the podcast been? It's been good. Uh, yeah, I do a podcast. Uh, Keeping Joe. Uh, with uh, Sam Morrell and Joe Mackey and then and Liz who manages the comedy cellar and uh, yeah it's 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 really fun and Colin Smith who is a um, an amazing musician he does like songs for us and stuff and, and when he's in the city he'll like sit in with us oh yeah that that was funny I was talking to Sam about that uh, listening to that I didn't realize that he was actually there yeah he he's with you guys well he there were I mean we've done I don't know the number of podcasts we've done and most of them he's not, but recently he's been sitting in. Yeah. He, he was there and I was, it was confusing cause I was like, how are they, how did they know what he was going to do ahead of time yeah. to be able to comment before it and after. Yeah. And, uh, and for him to make the song up based on what you guys were riffing off of. Yeah. He, he, I mean, this guy is, uh, he's so amazing. Like, uh, I do, Every other month, I do a benefit, uh, and we've done three, but I'm going to do it. Um, my plan is to do it every other month. We do it at the the Comedy Cellar. It's for uh, Operation Smile, and um, if you're in New York, like these shows are in, like we've had Schumer on it, Attell, Jim Gaffigan, um, uh, Sam and Joe always do it. Was this your idea? Uh, yeah, like I, people have done benefits for Operation Smile, but yeah, this was my idea to like. I I I uh, had heard of Operation Smile and just wanted an opportunity, and sure. then uh, the seller's like generous enough to be like, "Yeah, you can use the space." Yeah. So, um, but this this the one the week that just passed, we did one, and Colin was in town, so he said he would like do like a theme song for like every comic that was on the on the stage. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, so I I like wrote you know lyrics for everybody, and uh, and you just write. You look at them on the page, you're like, "Oh, this is." okay but it's pretty dumb and then you hear him sing it and play guitar and you're just like oh my god yeah like, yeah yeah it's amazing like it is it's amazing it does make a big difference when he's performed yeah yeah and just i mean and it's all just his talent like it's sure yeah he's yeah he's uh yeah he's amazing have you noticed have you noticed uh people come up to you and talk to you about the podcast when you're when you're touring uh yeah yeah totally yeah it seems like a a thing like a a cool thing that happens when uh, people start having podcasts for a long time is that then they start to get the followers and they start to get a response from it. Yeah, it's great. Like, um, yeah, because you just you do these things, and for I mean, for us, it's fun, and we're at the cellar anyways. Right. 
and it's again it's just fun to work with your friends whatever but uh yeah then when you actually see people coming out or uh like i'll see sometimes i'll be on stage and i'll see we don't have like merch and stuff but like say tuesdays with stories uh mark sure. uh, norman and joe List's podcast i guess there's like some crossover listenership or whatever i or, would think so yeah um so sometimes i'll just see like a tuesdays with stories shirt and then i'll know that those they're they're podcast people or whatever yeah right but uh yeah i mean it's tough to get people to come out to shows so it's it's uh it's really cool when when you do or you know when people do yeah i think it's cool because it it gives you uh it gives people a chance to kind of stay connected to you after they see you because you know if you're just doing stand-up they see you once a year at most yeah if you're coming to, through that city uh-huh. um but the podcast gives them some way to stay connected throughout the year and then you can kind of like just kind of uh add fans throughout the year and over the years totally yeah and you don't i don't really check the numbers on the podcast and stuff i, I know that it's like you know it, 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 it it's growing or whatever but um I don't like I'm not like that's not something that I'm really like on top of as far as like checking like each week how many downloads. But uh, it's great. It does feel really good when people come out. Yeah. From the pod. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, man, I think we did a good job, man. I feel oh, pretty sweet. Good about hey, it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited for the shows tonight. Yeah. Thanks, dude. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.